This morning, I, I just believe the Lord has a word for someone here. <clears throat> may just be one person, it may be many. Uh, I always find the long weekend kind of a challenge, the main long weekend, because you know folks are away, the youth are gone, young adults, and it's, you know, trailer season, all that good stuff, and, and a lot of folks go. Uh, but I just believe that the Lord, you know, He knows who's here, and, and uh, somebody may drop in for the first time, or, or just something you're going through. So, so I do believe He has a word for us, and so I just want to share just something laid on my heart. And as I, as I say, I do believe it's a word for someone here maybe who is, maybe you're either entering into or you're just kind of in a season where you're enduring just maybe a time of weariness, a time of fatigue, whatever a form it may take, and, and you just kind of feel weary in your spirit. That's, that's something that we all experience as we walk with the Lord. You know, sometimes there's things that you can explain. Uh, sometimes it just comes out of nowhere and you just find yourself being overwhelmed. You find yourself just being, being just worn down. Um, but I want to remind us this morning that, that God always has a word for us in those times of weariness. Uh, the circumstances may not change right away. You know, sometimes there's some things that we have to go through. But yet in the midst of that, the Lord does have a word. And it may not be a word that necessarily is an instruction as to how to fix the problem. It just may be a word to you. Uh, to use the analogy from Scripture, you know, there are times when the Lord will, will come to us in the storm and He will speak to the storm. And He'll tell the storm to be still. But there's other times we find ourselves in the storm and the Lord comes and He speaks to our heart. And He says to our heart, peace, be still. It's not always uh, an answer to this, a solution to the problem right away, but the Lord does speak to us. And uh, we see that Plato time and time again through the Word of God in the lives of people, the lives of, of people who follow God. In fact, Paul says in Corinthians that all these things we read of in the Word of God, and of course he's speaking to what we know today as the Old Testament, that all these things, it says, have been recorded for you, for your remembrance, you know, who live in these last days, who face similar things, so that you'll be encouraged. You'll see how God works in people's lives, in real situations. You'll, you'll read about the Daniels and the other people, and you'll see you know, what God is like and understand that He's the same God for you. And so we come to a similar story in the book of Luke, chapter 24. Luke, chapter 24, it's a familiar story probably for most of us. It has taken place... Uh, after the weekend where Jesus was turned over to the authorities and, and was crucified on the cross, and, and now he's risen from the dead three days later, uh, these particular disciples who we're going to read about, they haven't seen it, they just kind of heard about it, but it's too much to really believe, and so they're just kind of leaving town. And that's where we pick this story up here in Luke chapter 24, verse 13 through to verse 36. We read this, On that same day, two of Jesus' followers were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. We have, there we go, we got the scripture. Well, that's large enough for you. I guess it should be. <clears throat> uh, from Jerusalem. And they were talking to each other about all the things that had happened. As they talked and discussed, Jesus drew himself near and walked along with them. They saw him, but somehow did not recognize him. Jesus said to them, what are you talking about to each other as you walk along? They stood still with sad faces. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have been happening these last few days? What things, Jesus asked. The things that happened to Jesus of Nazareth, they answered. This man was a prophet and was considered by God and by all the people to be powerful in everything he said and did. Our chief priests and rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and he was crucified. And he, we had hoped that he would be the one who was going to set Israel free. Besides all that, this is now the third day since it happened. 
Some of the women of our group surprised us. They went at dawn to the tomb, but could not find his body. They came back saying that they had seen visions of angels who told them he was alive. Some of our group went to the tomb and found it exactly as the woman said, but they didn't see him. Then Jesus said to them, How foolish you are, how slow you are to believe everything the prophets said. Was it not necessary for the Messiah to suffer these things then to enter his glory? And Jesus explained to them what was said about himself in all the scriptures, beginning with the books of Moses and the writings of all the prophets. And they came near the village to which they were going. Jesus acted as if he was going further, but they held him back saying, stay with us. The day is almost over and it's getting dark. So he went in to stay with them. He sat down to eat with them, took the bread and said the blessing. Then he broke the bread and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. They said to each other, wasn't it like fire burning us when he talked to us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? They got up at once and went back to Jerusalem where they found the 11 disciples gathered together with the others and saying, the Lord is risen indeed. He has appeared to Simon. The two men then explained to them what had happened on the road and how they had recognized the Lord when he broke the bread. While the two were telling them this, suddenly the Lord himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. So our story begins with two men who are absolutely discouraged. They're disheartened, they're weary, they're worn out from all that's taken place that previous weekend, and now they're just basically on their way back home. Jesus meets with them, and he speaks to them. Jesus has a word of hope with them. In fact, in the context of the story, I believe, Jesus doesn't just kind of show up on the road as they're walking. Jesus is literally catching up to them. He's going after them. Because it's been a few days since he has died, and these two followers are leaving town. But I don't believe they're just returning home. In the context of the story, it actually seems like they're packing it in. Because Jesus is dead. So everything they know is over. And they're probably trying to go back and pick up their old lives. You see, these men were disciples. They were not part of the 12, but more likely part of the 70 or the extended circle of disciples. So these were men who had been with Jesus through his ministry. They had heard him. They had believed in him. They had put all their eggs into one basket. They trusted entirely that he was who he said he was. They witnessed all that he did. Everything they were raised to believe about the coming one, the Messiah, they were absolutely convinced as they walked with Jesus and witnessed his ministry that he was the one who was to come. I mean, we've all read the stories. Jesus raised the dead. Jesus miraculously fed crowd after crowd, thousands of people. He healed, of course, many of the sick. He cast out demons. He spoke with an authority and a wisdom they had never heard before. I mean, they were absolutely convinced that this was the guy who was finally going to break the oppression of the Roman Empire. He was going to set his people free, and he was going to usher in an era of unprecedented peace and prosperity. But that didn't happen. Jesus is killed. He doesn't just die. He is killed on a Roman cross. They know he's dead. There's no question whatsoever. It is over. Everything just stops. There's no more healings. There's no more displays of God's power, his presence. There's no more hope. There's no more joy. It's all dried up. Luke says in verse 17 that Jesus said to them, 
what are you talking about to each other as you walk along? They stood still with sad faces. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have been happening there these last few days? What things? Jesus asks. I really think this story is a beautiful picture of, of just people who are struggling with their faith. And everything that they thought they knew about Jesus, in fact, everything that they even thought they experienced with Jesus, it, it just seems like a distant memory. Just imagine some of the things they had seen, they'd witnessed, they experienced for themselves, but now they find themselves in a place where it seems like it's all over. And as powerful as those things were, it just seems like a faint memory. Whatever joy they'd experienced, whatever enthusiasm, whatever life change, whatever great things that they had seen, it's just all dried up. I mean, we can only imagine what had been going through their minds, but I, I doubt it's very much different than some of the things that we experience. Those times when we question what we've experienced in God. We question really the validity of some of the things in the past that we've heard, some of the great moments we've had, some of the touches of God that we've experienced, some of the things that, that maybe brought joy to us or those moments we thought, well, that's wonderful, God is good. And we know that those things are real. We know what we believe. And yet, in the light of what we're facing right now, in the light of what has blindsided us, or in the light of what has happened, what we're maybe going through, what we're confronting, what's going on around us, whatever confidence or enthusiasm we knew at the time, it just kind of seems like a distant memory. Anybody relate? You know, just regardless of what God has done in or through your life in times past, just sometimes something happens or you enter into a season or you just feel worn down or overwhelmed and it's almost like those things, you even begin to question. I mean, maybe, you know, maybe that wasn't really God back then when that happened. You know, maybe that just was just things that happened in the course of life like anybody else. I mean, after all, people who don't know the Lord have good things happen to them. Was that, was that really God? Was that really what I thought it was? Did it really make that much of a difference? I mean, that sentiment seems to be reflected in their, in their comment here in verse 21. They say to Jesus, we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. We had hoped. And that feeling wasn't really unique to them because you might remember John the Baptist. Remember when John was in prison? Here was a man who had given his life to make way for the chosen one to come, the Messiah, to make way for his cousin Jesus, who he believed was the anointed one. You know, he baptized him and the Holy Spirit came upon him. He saw all that. Now John's in prison and he doesn't understand what's going on. And so he sends a couple of disciples of his own to Jesus to say, what is going on? And the question that he asks is quite telling. He says, ask Jesus, is he the chosen one? Or did I miss it? Should I be waiting for somebody else? Is somebody else supposed to come along? And we, we go through times like that too. The Bible says that these men were on their way to Emmaus as they were walking along. Verse 14 says they were talking with each other about these things that had happened. Another translation puts it this way, and it came to pass in their conversing and reasoning together. You see, they were just doing what we do. They were trying, in the light of what they're going through, what they're feeling, they're trying to make sense of everything that happened. You know, I mean, 
we can't get our mind around the fact of all the things that we saw and all the things that we experienced. We were absolutely convinced that, that he was the one, but now this has happened. So obviously we got it wrong. Obviously we're not thinking right. Obviously we, we, we misunderstood. And so they were really second-guessing themselves. And they were also second-guessing everything that they had tried to remember that Jesus had preached and, and done. You know, I think in the same way, we can, we can know what God says. We can even testify to things that God has done in the past. But we all have seasons when just stuff happens. Or we all have seasons when it just seems like we feel like we're drying up. We feel like we're just tired, we're worn out, whatever the reason may be. Maybe things don't turn out as we expect. And we allow what we're feeling and we allow what has happened or what we're going through, we allow what we might consider these new facts before us to begin to become our reality. We embrace that. That, oh, that, that must be what it is. That must be truth. And we, we just begin to forget and let go of things that we, we know from the past. And, and so convinced were these disciples of this new reality that actually when Jesus meets them on the road and, and has a conversation with them, that not only are they sad, but you can kind of hear the sarcasm in the response. When Jesus said, what has taken place? And they say, are you the only person around here who doesn't know what's been going on? And I love what Jesus says. He says, what? I mean, it happened to him. You know, are you not aware of all these things? What things? And I kind of thought, why in the world would Jesus say that? And I think that one of the reasons was because Jesus wanted them to confess. He wanted them to speak all the stuff that was going on. He wanted to get it out there, but then he wanted to compare all those things to what the Scriptures had said. So get it out there, talk about it, that's wonderful, but I'm going to let you understand, these are the very things that the Scriptures foretold. He wants them to consider whether what is happening is consistent with the Word of God, even if it doesn't line up with all of their hopes. I mean, we know that their dreams were absolutely crushed because Jesus died, but Jesus wants them to look at the cross, and he wants them to look at it in light of the question, is the cross consistent with the Scriptures? Is what has happened over the weekend consistent with what God's Word says. In other words, I believe he's saying, and he would say to us, listen, people, do pain and suffering nullify healing and deliverance? And the answer, of course, is no. Does hardship cancel out the joy of the Lord? And the answer is no. Do the struggles of life, do the assaults of darkness negate the fact that you are sons and daughters of God, that you have been set free? Does any of that change because of what you're experiencing, because of what's happening, because of what you are seeing, what you are feeling? So I want you to ask yourself the question, does all that stuff become nullified because now you're entering into something difficult? Just because there was a cross... It doesn't mean that there weren't signs and wonders. Just because there was suffering and death, it doesn't mean that victory is not on the way, that it's not around the corner. And so Jesus meets up with these two disciples and begins to talk to them, although they don't know that it's him. They're convinced by the events of that weekend that Jesus is no longer with them. Isn't that interesting? He's walking with them, 
But because of what they've gone through, they're convinced that he's not there anymore. That he has left them. They're on their own. And yet Jesus is with them and he's speaking with them. And in the course of the conversation, I believe he's teaching them that hard times and dry times are not inconsistent with victory and with joy. They're actually part of it. They're part of victory. But what that requires is that we learn something very important, that we learn to listen to God even when we don't see Him. Even when it seems like the, the, the feelings that we have or the season that we're in, even though it seems that we may not understand, we visually can't understand what is going on, we still need to listen because He's still speaking to us. Again, I want you to imagine what these disciples had witnessed as they followed Jesus, what they had hoped for. And then all of a sudden, I mean, try to imagine this. All they had experienced with Christ, and now all of a sudden, there's no more miracles, there's no more crowds, no more cheers, everything has just stopped. And they're so consumed by this new reality. They're so consumed by the sadness it brings, the heaviness, the weariness, that they don't even recognize Jesus, and yet he is still speaking to them. And what he's doing in the course of the conversation is he's drawing them out of that weariness. And he's doing so by taking time just to nurture them and to walk with them and spend time with them personally. And what's different now, of course, is that in the midst of all their frustrations, all the confusion, is that they're not just conversing and reasoning with one another anymore. This is very important. They're actually conversing with God. Now they're starting to reason with God as they speak with Jesus. And that's, that's very significant. Because when you get two people who are discouraged conversing and reasoning among themselves, or you can even just get one of us who's discouraged, and we're just talking to ourselves, what happens? It begins to foster a very negative atmosphere. There's not a whole lot of life there. It just gets bleaker and bleaker. And yet when God begins to enter the conversation, all of that weariness, all of that fatigue, all that despair, what's the difference? Now it has to begin to answer the truth. And that's what the Lord introduces in the conversation. Verse 26, he begins to ask the questions that these guys didn't ask. He says, was it not necessary for the Messiah to suffer these things and then enter his glory? Do you see what's going on? They're thinking of all that has happened. Jesus is saying, wait, 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 wait. Really, you ought to be excited by this. Because if you read the word, this was going to happen. In fact, it happened to the letter of the word. And that should encourage you that God's in control. You see, he kind of laid this all out before it even happens. Jesus brings his word to bear. And he tells them what God's word says. Not only about himself, but he explains to them how God uses difficulty. God uses these things that we may not understand completely in order to do his work in us, to, to, to work out his plan, to work out his character in the lives of those who follow him. And what I find it interesting is that the fact that Jesus could take them to the scriptures, that he could take them to the books of Moses, scripture after scripture after scripture, on through the prophets, scripture after scripture, and lay it all out for them, to me what that means is this thing was never concealed from their eyes. God laid it all out. Do you hear me this morning? 
The fact that Jesus could draw from the scriptures to explain all that went on means that God didn't keep it a secret. He said this was going to happen, and it happened exactly as he said. He laid it all out. And friends, he does the same thing for you and me. In various ways through the scriptures, through examples, through stories, he says, listen, folks, sometimes it's going to be a struggle. Sometimes you're going to wonder. Sometimes you're going to worry. Sometimes you're going to have to fight against those feelings, against that weariness. Because, listen, I'm also promising that in the midst of that, I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to talk with you. These things should not surprise you. They should not overwhelm you. And so Jesus walks with them. He talks with them from the Scriptures. And then he makes as if he's going to continue on his way and leave them once they've reached their destination. And I believe in doing that, he gives them a simple choice. He gives them the choice to either invite him in or to let him go. And I believe he gives you and me that same choice. He gives us the choice that we can either wallow in our weariness, we can choose to accept the facts before us as reality, even if they contradict God's truth, or we can invite the Lord in. We can invite him to stay. We can say, Jesus, if you don't mind, would you just sit with me? Would you just help me to sort this thing out? Lord, would you just, just kind of break bread with me? Would you just share your word with me? Would you just speak to me, Lord? Don't, don't move on. I don't want to part company right now. I just I want you to sit with me. Because you see, one of the things I've found in walk with the Lord is the Lord never requires us to get it all together. He never asks us to get it all together on our own. What he asks us is to ask him to help us get it all together. That's what he asks us to do. And in fact, even with all their questions and some of the foolish things they said, and sometimes we feel that way too, whether we feel we've got ourselves this way or, or whatever the circumstances may be to be where we are and to feel tired, to feel distant, to feel dry, whatever it may be, we need to understand that Jesus is never ashamed to associate with us. He's never ashamed to just stop with us and to meet with us and to speak to us. He doesn't walk away from you. He stands at the door, as he says in Revelation, and he knocks. And he says, if you'll open the door, I'll come in. And I'll sit down with you. And I'll talk with you. Because I have a word for you. And he has a word for us. And so Jesus breaks the bread and his disciples, immediately their eyes are open and they recognize him. And in recognizing him, they realize that Jesus has never left them. He did things a whole lot differently than they could have seen but he's never left them. And saints, I believe this morning the enemy will do all he can to keep us away from it. But the only answer to weariness, the only answer to that tiredness, to that discouragement, to the, the dryness that we may feel, the only answer, as simple as it may sound, yet as profound, the only answer to our weariness, it is the word from God. It is the word of God. The word of God is full of life. It is full, it says, of living power. I believe that's significant. The men said this in verse 32. He said, wasn't it like fire burning us when he talked to us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? Now, notice, this is before their eyes are open. 
So they're just still walking with Jesus. It's a seven-mile trek, so however long it takes, they're walking for quite a while talking to Jesus. Their eyes haven't been opened yet to recognize it's him, but yet as he's speaking the word of God to them, they said their hearts were burning. In other words, as he's talking to us, the word of God that Jesus is calling on, it begins to, to give them a hope. It begins to convince them that Jesus actually did rise from the dead. It began to convince them that there really is life after death. There really is a way through that weariness. God's word is a fire that burns. It is a fire that will burn the weariness and the despair. It's a fire that says, this is what God says. God's word is a word that comes to us and we say, that's right. That's right. That's true. My heart knows this. This is true. And we begin to lay hold of that. We begin to understand that I know what I'm in right now is difficult. I know I feel dry. I know I feel tired. I know I feel discouraged, whatever it may be. But I also understand that this is part and parcel of the bigger picture of what God is working in my life. I know there's something on the other end of this. I know this is not all there is to it. I know the Lord doesn't leave me. He's not walked away. I'm not on my own. He is with me. And he's talking to me, and he's speaking to me, and he has a word for me, and that word will burn in my heart. It will become something that gives clarity. In fact, it's a fire that burns in the heart of every follower of Jesus Christ. Even when I'm tired, even when I'm discouraged. In fact, I've found sometimes that that word burns even brighter, even, even brighter, hotter, in times like that, because it gives a clarity that begins to rise up within me and says, you know what, I, I don't believe the devil's lie. I don't believe the facts that he's presenting before me, that those things have to be my reality. That's, that's not going to happen, because God gives us a word. The Bible says in verse 33 that as soon as Jesus uh, stood, uh, or opened their eyes rather, he disappears from their sight, they get up and they run back to Jerusalem. Now, they had just walked seven miles. I'm not in the best of shape, but even if you're in pretty good shape, seven miles is seven miles. And yet, as soon as Jesus tells them, we don't know how long they're sitting, probably just a few minutes, enough to have a sandwich, to have a bite. But they're, they're not tired anymore. They're not sad and weary anymore. They get up, and I believe they probably ran seven miles back. Or ran, took a breather, or did the, you know, the 5K thing, run for two, walk for one, run for two. Whatever they did, but they wanted to get back as fast as they could. And they tell the disciples everything that has happened. And I love this in verse 36. As they're talking about him, it says, Jesus himself stood among them and he said to them, Peace be still, or peace rather, be to you. It's just like Jesus shows up to back them up. Because a lot of crazy stuff has already gone on, and even though it's fulfilling scripture, all the disciples back there, they're still in a, you know, in a daze. They don't quite believe the women, and I don't know what kind of discussion is going on. But Jesus lays out everything to these two guys. They go back. They tell them everything Simon said was true. It's happened. We talked to the Lord. And then Jesus shows up just to make sure you understand, hey, it really did. Everything they say is true. I, just, I began this message commenting how we sometimes wonder in the midst of our weariness if some of those things we experienced in God were really real. Because we, we know it, but then our minds get cloudy. Because what I've found over the years is that hardship and heartbreak, they just have a way of erasing our memory. You ever find that? I mean, the same happens in human relationships, right? Something goes wrong, somebody hurts your feelings, whatever, and all of a sudden, all the good stuff 
all the years past, even maybe up to the recent past couple of days, all of a sudden you forget that in the light of this thing. And the same thing happens oftentimes in our walk with the Lord, and yet when you're weary, when you feel like whatever memories you might have are only faint and distant, when you feel like packing it in, this story reminds us that Jesus goes after you. Even when you can't see him, he's walking with you, he's, he's talking to you, and he gives you a choice. You can either invite him in or you can let him go. But he wants you to invite him in. He wants to sit down with you. Jesus wants to assure you that everything you've experienced, you have experienced. Everything you've seen, you have seen. Everything you've heard, everything God has done in your life in the past, He has done it. You have experienced victory. You have experienced the presence of God. You have experienced that blessed assurance that you know Jesus belongs to you. You have, you have seen the miracles. You have witnessed these things. You have been given a hope that is real. And that reality is established in our heart, not by some kind of enthusiasm that we have to generate ourselves. We don't have to psych ourselves into it. What I love this story reminds us, those things are confirmed in our heart because Jesus shows up. It's by the presence of the Lord in our lives that he validates that. He says, these things are true. I'm going to ask the musicians to join me. This morning, I just want to pray with you or offer to pray with you. If you're sitting here and thinking, Pastor Paul, I'm tired, I'm weary. You know, these men in the story, they were followers of Jesus. We, we kind of forget that. These, these were men who were living for Jesus. But then they just came through some stuff one day and everything just seemed to stop. And you may be in a season this morning when it seems hard to see the Lord even though he's with you. But friends, we all experience it. We all go through that. You may just be in a season where it feels like you're just overwhelmed. And I believe that the Lord just wants to love on you today. He wants to give you a word. He wants to give you a word that will burn in your heart again. And you may be here this morning and be weary or apathetic or and you don't even know why. Maybe it's just so much time has gone by. Maybe you just allow yourself to kind of drift away from the Lord. Or maybe, you know, you're in a season where something has blindsided you. And, you know, it's just, you know, you know sometimes we have a, a hard heart. Uh, or a heart that finds it hard to really sense the Lord's presence. And friends, a hard heart is not always the result of willful rebellion. Sometimes our heart becomes hard because it's just been cut so often. It, it's just scabbed over. It's been wounded so much in so many different ways, and, and it, just, it just feels like it's hard to, to trust or to hear or to love, to receive, whatever it may be. So, you know, you just may be here this morning, you just have some of those feelings, but I just, I just kind of feel like things have stopped, or I just, I just feel like things have dried up. The Bible has a beautiful promise. The Lord says in Isaiah 42, he says, a smoldering wick I will not snuff out. Isn't that beautiful? A bruised reed, a bent reed. You know, how many times have you walked along a path and you see a little stick that's kind of bent? What do you do? It's just impulse. Reach over and snap it off. You know, it's just, it's dead anyway. He says, no, no, I don't do that. I don't break it off. And if I see a candle or I see a wick that's just smoldering, I don't wet my fingers and extinguish it. I breathe on it. 
and I fan back the flame. And the Lord wants to do that in your heart this morning. He wants that fire to burn again. He doesn't want you to pack it in. And that's why he goes after you. He goes after you to bring you back. He goes after you because just like those disciples who thought it was all over, it's almost like Jesus catches up to him and he wants to say, where are you going, guys? I know all the things you've seen. I know what you think. I know you think that it's over. Even though you don't understand that, that God's working in this and God foretold it's going to happen, I understand. But listen, you can't go now. You've got to go back to town. There's a whole lot of stuff that's still going to happen. I don't want you to miss it. Come on back. Come back to Jerusalem. And that's what they do. And they go back to Jerusalem, and they, and they, they wait in the upper room, and they experience the, 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 the blessing of the Holy Spirit, and they're filled with power, and it all begins to make sense. They go out of the city again from Jerusalem, this time not in weariness, not in discouragement, but in the power of the Holy Spirit to spread the gospel. And friends, the Lord sees you this morning. If you're feeling weary, if you're feeling burnt out, he says you don't have to play the game. Whatever you do, don't walk away. Don't pack it in. Listen, there's a whole lot of stuff still on the other side. Don't believe the enemy's lies. Get the word of God in you. Let me bring some clarity to what's really going on here. Let me show you how God is at work right now. Let me show you some of the things that he is doing. And there's a whole lot of stuff on the other side that he still has for you. I don't want you to miss it. Don't give up. Come on. Don't give up. Open the word. Let me sit down with you. Let me talk to you. Let the word begin to burn in your heart again. I'm going to bring you through this. And there's going to be a lot of joy. There may be some tears in the night, right? But joy comes in the morning. All you who are weary, all you who are heavy burdened, just come to me and I will give you rest. My, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. You will find rest for your soul. Come to me. Will you stand with me? I'm going to ask the ministry team to come. It may just be for one. It may be for many this morning. But I just I want to give you the opportunity this morning. If there's just a weariness in your heart, and friends, we've all been there. We've all been there. If there's just a weariness, I want to invite you to come and allow the Lord just to touch you. Allow the Lord to fill you with His Spirit. Allow the Word to the Lord to work a word into your heart. If you're here this morning, you've never opened your heart to the Lord Jesus. I want to encourage you. Don't walk away this morning. Invite Him in. He's here this morning. He wants to meet you where you are. He wants to introduce himself to you. He wants to sit down with you and say, I'm knocking on your heart. The presence you feel this morning all around you, that's me. I'm knocking on your heart. I want to come in. Would you let me come in? I'm just going to pray a word of prayer. Pastor Kristen is going to lead us, the worship team, in a song. And you just feel free to come. You're dismissed if you need to slip out. If you want to linger and just worship, you do that. Just feel with the Holy Spirit where you are. But if you want to come and have someone just join and pray with you, the Lord wants to. Minister to that weariness, minister to that heaviness, that fatigue, that despondency, whatever it may be. He just wants to be able to lift that off your shoulders and begin to show you just good things that are coming around the corner. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning for the awesome, awesome privilege we have of coming to the presence of the living God. And I thank you that your presence is one, not of condemnation and fear. But Lord, for all those who know you this morning, it's a presence of joy and of healing of encouragement, of faith and hope, of strength, O oh God, to continue to push through for what you're working in us. And I just pray for grace, O oh Lord, to receive your word this morning, each one of us, wherever we may be, to receive your word. Lord, let your word burn in our hearts today. Burn away the dross of weariness and despair. O oh Lord, rising up within us and to remind us, O oh God, that you are who you say you are. 
that what you've done in our lives in the past, it is true. It is real, O God. We don't need to forsake it. We don't need to forget it, O God. We just stir up your faithfulness in our heart for who you are. And Lord, we just bring our weariness to you. And we just ask you, Lord, to touch us afresh this morning. Quicken our hearts, O Lord. Make us alive to you. And make us alive to your purposes. That we be people of joy and of light and of salt. Wherever we go, Lord, that we bring your joy and your strength. Lord, I just pray, continue to minister to us through these days. Let your word not be forgotten. Bless each one, I pray, this morning. And Lord, we just give ourselves to you now in these moments and pray that your Holy Spirit would just move through this place. And Lord, in the way that only you can do, just speak to each and every heart, every different circumstance. Lord, just may you find hearts that are open that would say, Jesus, come near me. Come sit down with me. Talk to me. Oh, Lord, I turn to you. Help me to get this together. Lord, with your help. I bless you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Lord bless you this morning.